It's time for the monthly visit by Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental on Route 66 East in Columbia. And since it is kind of a cold, raw morning, let's warm things up, Bernice, with the inflammation connection. You're going to warm us up today with inflammation? What's this about? I do like that connection because that is one of the signs of inflammation. Um, but, yeah, so that's what we're planning on doing. And I was I had to laugh to myself because when I think about topics for the radio show, some of the times it's about my deciding I want to learn a little bit more about something because – you it's, want to learn. It's not about us. It's about you learning. Right. So it's like Ricky Gervais when he was hosting. He said, it's not about you guys. It's about yeah. me amusing myself. Golden, but, Golden Globes last night. Yeah. But luckily, he amuses other people along the way. And I hope to educate the rest of you along the way also. Um, so it's uh, I graduated from dental school in 1984. So... 36 years ago, and as you know, the world has changed a lot since then, and we really need to keep up in dentistry, and just like the car mechanics where all of a sudden there's electric cars and there's computerized stuff, if you're not keeping up, you're not providing the best service, and if I don't provide the best service, the consequences are not good. So it's my goal always to try to keep educating myself. And I was thinking about inflammation and infection and how it's kind of hard sometimes to differentiate the two. So shall I put you on the spot? Well, Wait. I would think that infection would cause inflammation. Correct. Did I just beat you with the punch on your... No, on but do you think infection is always the cause of inflammation? No. No. So when would it not be the cause of inflammation? Well, I'm trying to think of a time when maybe you got some kind of a tooth issue going on that causes inflammation that may not be infection-related. I couldn't tell you what that is, though. Okay, so the problem with what you just said is you're isolating it to teeth. And part of today's message is the teeth... The soft tissues, the bone is all part of the rest of the body. In fact, we're really the transitional environment. Um, so we're the only part of the body that has sort of a foot in the outside world and a foot in the inside world, or literally a tooth or cells. So when you take something into the mouth, it can be an assault that causes inflammation. So that would be things like... I'm not getting a bright light. Oh, that was a question. Yeah. I, didn't, I thought you were going to finish the sentence. There. Look, no, I, already, just, I already flunked the uh, first No, no, quiz. you did well. You did well. <laughs> you just yeah, Because you're right. Inflammation is not necessarily always associated with infection. Inflammation is our body's reaction. Well, you said you take some in the mouth. All right. Well, what would inflame the mouth? Oh, red hot chili peppers. There you go. There you go. And so some of the things we'll talk about is the difference between an acute and a chronic inflammation. So you take in, and it's not just that it's hot spicy, but it's hot physically. So your mouth will react to that and cause an inflammation. So how long do you think that lasts? 30 seconds. Yeah. And then your body, well, the, no, the inflammation lasts a little longer than that because let's say it was hot enough that it burned the roof of your mouth. Well, you didn't say burned. You right. just said hot. So, well, not spicy, but regular hot. So, yeah, an if assault. It burns the roof of your mouth, it could bother you for a couple of days. Seven to 10 days, usually. Mm. And that's. And what bothers you is just like with the cold, you know, you get a cold, it's not really the virus. 
that's causing the problem symptomatically. It's your body's reaction to that virus. So that's what we're talking about is inflammation. And what we're finding is inflammation is basically your body's defense mechanism to react to things. So trauma, you know, you, you hit your arm and you get an inflammatory reaction or to that. Or a bruise. Yeah. A bruise. So a bruise is inflammation, right? So what we're seeing is a whole lot of systemic diseases, meaning diseases of the whole body, are related to inflammation. So things like cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, plaques, those are an inflammatory reaction. Things like rheumatoid arthritis. So we talked about the burn. So you get a burn in the roof of your mouth and your body reacts with an inflammation and seven to 10 days it goes away. You contract a virus, you get a cold. You take care of yourself and seven to 10 days it goes away. So what do you think you're doing when you're taking care of yourself, Wade? I gotta keep you awake today. This is tough, man. It's Monday morning and Oh, uh, when you're taking care of yourself with a cold, you're uh, giving it a chance to heal up and recover. So what do you do if you're smart and you want to get rid of the cold? Mm, sleep a lot, drink a lot of liquids, chicken soup. So it's things like <laughs> diet and rest, and what you're doing is letting your body heal itself. So the problem diseases like rheumatoid arthritis or uh, irritable bowel syndrome, fatigue syndrome, chronic fatigue, a lot of those are basically chronic inflammation. So we're looking at, you know, where does chronic inflammation come from? And there's something in the mouth that can cause an acute infection, which is called plaque, because there's a biofilm of bacteria. It should be acute because what do you do? You go in there and clean out the bacteria, right, Wayne, when you floss? Every and, hour. <laughs> and so you will not go to a state of chronic inflammation. But if you're not someone who flosses, if you're not someone who goes to the dentist regularly to help clean out those pockets, you're carrying around this huge load of bacteria that can lead to a state of chronic inflammation. Let me go to the other side of inflammation. You talked about eating hot foods or eating spicy foods. That might cause inflammation in the mouth. What about really cold stuff like ice cubes or ice cream? Is there an other side of the coin to that as far as inflammation is concerned? No, no. Cold is, is helpful. So cold in a mouth can be an irritant <coughs> that has to do with a lot of other other things. But it's more temporary. Well, you know, not if you're not cleaning off your plaque and you're not going to the dentist regularly because your body has mechanisms to try to deal with this chronic infection that has turned into chronic inflammation because you're that person who never cleans the plaque out from below the gum line. So if you're that person, your body can react by causing swelling of the gum tissues, and then you can end up going to a deeper infection of the bone, 
and having bone loss. If you do that, your gums recede. So you've heard about that. When your gums recede, you're exposing a part of your tooth that's not normally exposed to the oral cavity, and that is cold sensitive. So that can be a reaction to inflammation related to cold, and it's because we have decided that for some of us, it's okay to just walk around with a ton of infectious stuff below our gum lines. Is gingivitis an infection? Yes. So it starts as an infection, but then it can become a chronic inflammation. And we'll talk about the signs of inflammation, or we can talk about them right now, because I always thought it was very cool because they're all Latin descriptions. And I loved Latin in high school because afterwards, it was the key to a lot of other words. So there are the four of the five um, signs of inflammation. Quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, five, four of the five signs of inflammation all end with OR. So one of the signs of inflammation in Latin is tumor. OR. Tumor. But when you think tumor, what are you thinking? Some sort what? of a lump, I guess. So the term tumor, lump, is basically swelling. That's where that term came from. So one of the signs of inflammation is swelling. And then we have rubor, which is redness. Then there is color, which is heat. And duller is pain. So the signs of inflammation are redness, swelling, heat, and pain. And the last one doesn't fit because it's a loss of function. They didn't have an OR term for that. But what is gingivitis? It's redened, swollen, hot gums that are painful, but only when you go into that area. So if you're sitting at home saying, I don't need to go to the dentist because I don't have that, well, you don't know you have that until you try to take something into that environment to see how it reacts. So let's say you decide after not going to the dentist for two years that you're going to make an appointment, so you're going to go ahead and floss. So you bring that floss into that inflamed environment. And it bleeds. And it bleeds. That's a sign of inflammation. If you put it into a little microscope atmosphere and put a thermometer in there, it would be hotter than the adjacent tissues. It's also swollen. I can see that when some people smile at me in the store because their gum tissues are supposed to be pink and firm and fibrotic, but they're red, swollen, and bleed easily. So what are some of the common risk factors for oral and systemic inflammatory diseases? So we were talking before about what can cause inflammation in the mouth that's not a virus or a bacteria or something like that. And one of the many things that we didn't think about right then was smoking. So smoking is a local irritant in the mouth. So it's going to cause inflammation just by the fact that, or vaping is the same kind of thing, just the fact that you have that in your, in your mouth. And we talked about acute and chronic inflammation a little bit. So acute is like a quick reaction, let's get rid of this problem and cure it. 
and you use the the bruising comparison, Wayne. So you hit yourself, it bruises, your body says, oh, no one's hitting me anymore. So I'll send over all my inflammatory actors and they'll heal this area. Is an inflammatory actor like blood? Well, yes, but it's more about, um, yes. So it increases blood supply to the area because blood carries things. So when you go in to see the doctor and they do some blood tests because you're not feeling great, one of the things they check is for white blood cells, right? You've heard about that before. So white blood cells are cells that fight infection. There's a whole host of other names, like macrophages I always think of as uh, Pac-Man, you know, eating up the, the process. But going back to what happens, if you smoke once in your life, like me, and thought, oh, this is just the pits, and I don't know why anyone would ever do this again. My body um, did, says... Did you inhale? I'm not even... Well, yeah, I, I just... I, I Personally, I definitely have an aversion to smoking. I could never, ever be a smoker. But I did smoke once in Poland, where everybody was smoking at that time. And my body reacted by, oh, that's an irritant, so I'm going to heal this area, and... And I went on to stay healthy. Chronic inflammation is when you're taking the same factor that's assaulting your body over and over and over again. And in the first segment, we talked about gingivitis and plaque. So plaque is an inflammatory irritant that makes you end up with a chronic inflammation if you're not fixing that problem. So smoking becomes the same thing. So in the news, a lot of you have been hearing more recently about how heart disease and uh, respiratory diseases like COPD and pneumonia and adverse pregnancy outcomes and diabetes, that maybe they're related to inflammation in your mouth. So we know they are related. So that's what is called an association but we haven't found a cause. I mean, the research is not there yet. So it, we can't say that if you floss and get rid of your gingival inflammation, you won't get heart disease. What we know is there's a lot of things that create an unhealthy atmosphere. So smoking creates an unhealthy atmosphere in the mouth. It makes decay worse. It makes inflammation of the gum tissues worse, it causes problems. It decreases the amount of saliva. There's a lot of things that it does. It has that effect on a lot of other areas of your body also. We also know that a poor diet can lead to bad consequences. In the mouth, if you're mostly eating sugar, then it's going to lead to more cavities. If you're mostly eating sugar, you're not feeding your body what it needs to create healthy cells so that those healthy cells will go through the bloodstream when you have an inflammation and help cure that area. So we're seeing that stroke, respiratory disease, a lot of these diseases in the body have one common factor. And that's inflammation. 
And you were talking about smoking. What about folks who use chewing tobacco? Right. Same same thing. You know, that's not something that our bodies really like. And bodies are just amazing in my mind. And especially as I'm getting ready for this show, I came across an article on macrophages that I mentioned, which are a type of cell. And I'm sure it would not fascinate you, Wayne, but because it was definitely a, a science speak kind no, of no, article. If you're going to use this word, you got to spell it. It's radio. I have oh, okay. I've never seen this word before. Macrophage. I have to yeah, I have to know what I'm looking at here. Okay, so it's M A C R O I got that part. P H A G E. Okay. So I thought your next instinct would be to type it in on your Google. To I usually see what... do that. I'm, you're my Google. This okay. You're going to explain to me what that word means. It's basically for our purposes, it's a cell. So there's an irritant, like we said, whether it's smoke or it's something hot that burns your mouth. Your body says, I need to send out some cells to deal with this problem. Some of the first responders are things like white blood cells. Second responders, when it's been around for a while, are macrophages. And I'm going to bet you that when you Google it, it doesn't say that a macrophage is a secondary responder. And you know I did it. <laughs> but the impressive thing is that I did it like 20 seconds after you spelled it, and I still remembered how to spell it. Yay. And I got it. And according to the always accurate Wikipedia, which is sort of like the always accurate Weather Channel, macrophages are a type of white blood cell of the immune system that engulfs and digests cellular debris, foreign substances, microbes, cancer cells, and anything else that does not have the type of proteins specific to healthy body cells in its surface in a process, oh gosh, in a process called phagocytosis. Phagocytosis. How do you say it again? Well, phagocytosis is what I'm expecting it says there, yeah, but I can't is. see it. Yeah, I mean, okay. And I wasn't even close, and I was P-H-A-G-O-C-Y-T-O-S-I-S. Wow, we're learning Latin this morning. We're learning new words. All right, so what did, all, what did, what did I just say? So phagocytosis <laughs> basically engulfing cells. So you do something irritating, like if we go back to our um, burn example, you take something into your mouth that burns it. The acute reaction is your body sends over those white blood cells and there's increased blood supply to the area and it basically heals it pretty quickly. And when you're healing, you have to destroy the cells that are damaged. And that's where the macrophages come in more, that they're the longer term where they'll clean up the mess, basically. But... If you are making a mess every single day, you can send your body into confusion is how, you know, my uh, common person description of that as opposed to the medical provider description of it. No, your best description. This was theater of the mind. <laughs> as is pretty much my goal anytime I tell a story, anytime I'm doing a game. I don't just say the guy got a layup. I said he drove from the right baseline and got a layup. you got to put a picture in people's mind of what's going on. And your best description was earlier this morning, which I think is about the same thing we're talking about, the little Pac-Man right. thing. Oh, that, right. that, that nailed me, right? The thing's going along, eating up bad stuff. Right. 
I like that. And so if you do something that causes a problem, let you catch a virus or you smoke a cigarette or you drink alcohol, the inflammatory reaction is let's isolate this, send the Pac-Man in to clean up the mess. Well, if you were making a mess every single day, you could put your body on overload. So the heart disease comparison, which is not my area necessarily, but it's the same idea of plaques in the bloodstream. And you keep building up those plaques. And at some point, your body says, I've got to get rid of these. So it kind of cuts the thread of how they're attached. And then it causes a clot and you have a heart attack. So is, is there a way to make your body produce more of these little Pac-Man guys or girls? By not well, one, you don't if you had that many, Wayne, you could eat the whole body, right? And what's that? That's death, basically. So that's not a good idea. That's well, you know, the problem is the balance of if you're only if you're only irritating your body from time to time. So let's say you have two glasses of champagne on New Year's Eve and then two weeks later you go out to dinner with someone and you have some wine, then you're not irritating your body so much and it can say, okay, you destroyed a couple of these liver cells, so we'll clean that up. But that's an acute kind of reaction. We're talking about chronic and chronic comes from things like plaque under your gum line all the time. We had talked about diet and tobacco and chewing tobacco. You didn't finish your thought about alcohol consumption. What more can you say about alcohol consumption? So it is in that category of common risk factors that we see for lots of different diseases. So our oral diseases mostly are cavities and gum and bone infection. And we know they're much worse with alcohol. And the mouth sometimes is a little bit easier because you can see certain effects. So with people who are chronic alcoholics, their mouths are drier because they're dehydrating things. And when you dehydrate your mouth, that means there's not as much saliva with all of those wonderful cells in it like macrophages, right? that help fight inflammation and infection. And who knew uh, Pac-Man was a macrophage? Right. We didn't call it macrophage. We called it Pac-Man back Pac then. But it's yep. the same idea. Same I, idea. I love that. That's the best part of the day. That's first. And so far, the Latin lesson we had an hour ago was second. Yeah, so I'm going to repeat something I've said on the radio before, but I think it's really valuable. No matter what industry you're in, if you really understand your material then you can explain it to a five-year-old. So well, you've really come to the right place for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, most people, so you're, I'm a five-year-old when it comes to how the radio works. Nah, I'd give you at least 10 on that. Maybe. Come on. But basically, that's just not my area of expertise. Yet, there are certain things that I have to know if I really want to listen to the radio. And basically, that's like how to turn it on and how to find the station and things like that. So... You don't really have to know exactly what a macrophage is and what its composition is or its actions. You just have to know that you need to do the things that help prevent you from causing more inflammation than your body can deal with. So basically that's, as we started to say, overconsumption.
of alcohol. So let's say one day you go out on your trail lane and you get a little carried away and you walk eight miles at a jog. Your body's going to tell you that was stressful. Oh, yeah. That I happened a couple to- years ago. I was on the Hop River Trail, and I did 6.8 miles one day. And that night, my body said, don't do that again. I can so, do four and five. Six and eight, I don't know. So not flossing is like running eight miles every day. You're leaving the stressor in position, and your body reaches a point where I just can't deal with this anymore. So we have seen that there are common risk factors for these diseases that confound some of the physicians. So irritable bowel syndrome and like chronic fatigue, when they first came out as diagnosis, it was basically we see this group of things that happen in certain people, and so we give them a name. And at the beginning, they called them idiopathic, which basically means, it's a great word, that means we sort of are idiotic about this and we don't really know what causes it. So it's without a cause that we can determine. So people who want to make sure that we are as healthy as we can be started researching. So then they realized there are some common risk factors for these what I call systemic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and lungs. So their effect can be seen more obviously on the whole body as opposed to oral diseases that can be hidden. I mean, they're just as dramatic and they're causing a lot of the same inflammatory reaction, but it doesn't feel like your gum tissues hurt. And it's the same thing that I tell patients sometimes it's a silent disease, just like hypertension, high blood pressure. If you're not measuring your blood pressure every day, you don't really know, I mean, or from time to time. If nobody's monitoring at all, one day maybe you'll have a heart attack and someone will say, oh, you had hypertension. Too bad we didn't give you medication for that. Too bad we didn't check your blood pressure and tell you that if you lead a healthy lifestyle, you can prevent this problem. So the problem in the mouth with gum infection is, or inflammation, it doesn't seem like such a serious problem. So there's no powers that be out there on the TV screaming, go get your teeth cleaned, (laughs) make sure you floss, because they're not thinking about the fact that these risk factors are common. So the smart ones of you out there will listen to me and say, wow, you know, I think she's right. Just thinking from a common sense point of view, plaque is bacteria. It's that white sticky stuff that sits in your mouth. There's two possible scenarios that because you have that sticky stuff sitting there in your mouth long term and you're not cleaning it out well enough or seeing the dentist and getting some help cleaning it out, There's a lot of bacteria in there. So maybe they're like seeping into your bloodstream and going to the rest of your body. And maybe it's that bacteria that's causing a lot of the problems because at the beginning, your Pac-Man cells come running over and say, we're going to deal with this infection. But if you're doing it all the time, 
it's like having being on the battlefield and it never stops. There's soldiers coming and coming and coming and you run out of defenses to, to deal with them. So it's very wise, I think, that the area of research in medicine has become what are some of the common risk factors for these diseases that we see? And alcohol overuse is one of them. Smoking is one of them. Another one is stress, we've realized. When we are stressed out, I think one of the common things a lot of us can tell is you know, our breathing changes, we're not thinking straight. The same thing happens on a cellular level, I believe. The cells of your body are saying, we're in crisis. I better just act hysterical because we're stressed out. And from a practical point of view, when patients come to see us, we see people every six months when they're doing what they should be doing. And we can see someone, it's happened repeatedly, like three or four years in a row and everything looks great. And all of a sudden they come in one day and they've got those signs of inflammation. Their gums are red, they're bleeding easily, they're swollen. They've got those signs of inflammation. And most often my hygienist will say, what's going on in your life? Very often, well, I'm caretaking my parent, and I have to make all these decisions, and I'm not sure if the nursing home is really taking care of So that's 24-7 stress, because your loved one is in a facility, and you're worried about them. And it reacts right away in your gum tissues. So the wise people build up their defenses by doing the things that decrease stress. And one of the things that decreases stress is what you do, Wayne. You go out there and take a walk. That's my happy place. Yes. What about socioeconomic status? So, um, you know, that's something that sometimes we don't like talking about because basically it sounds like, well, poor people have more diseases. And that is true because of the multiple factors that go into having low socioeconomic status. Sometimes it's being in an environment where, I was just thinking about this the other day because on the news they were talking about how they were bringing a grocery store to Hartford. And I thought, well, that's great because what happens often in low-income neighborhoods is there's basically convenience stores. Now, what can you buy if you want to have a healthy diet not to put convenience stores down, because I think some of them are trying, and I see bananas at the counter and things, but in no, general... No, but you're going to fast foods here. I can see where you're going with right. that. The least expensive things have very little nutritional value. So they make your body digest, metabolize, do all the things it has to do, but they're leaving very little healthy nutrients for those Pac-Man cells to use to fight infection. Then, you know, it, it cascades into, you know, habits. And if you really can't afford much more than food, are you really going to be able to go to the dentist? So, you know, then we try to develop clinics and we try to teach people because, as I tell people, the least expensive thing to do is to do your oral hygiene at home. 
you know, floss is not super expensive. In fact, when I was in Poland during the communist era, they didn't have floss. And I was explaining to my husband's aunt about plaque and the biofilm. And she's like, you know, I've kind of noticed that there's this white stuff on my teeth. And they didn't have floss. So I explained to her what floss was. The next day she came to me and she said, well, I have this elastic thread that I use when I'm sewing things. And it turns out that can work. And she's right. But, you know, that's our snobbism of, you know, we're in a Western society where a lot of people can afford a lot of things. But if we go back to basics and think how can we keep ourselves healthy, then it doesn't cost that much to walk instead of parking right outside of the grocery store, for example. Just so exercise, nutrition, all of those things that keep us healthy don't necessarily have to be that expensive. I'm not the poster child for healthy eating, although I'm eating smarter now than I was five years ago. But every day, you know me well enough to know, look what I brought in. What are the health benefits of this little thing here? Yeah, so, you know, an apple, as opposed to, for example, apple juice with additives in it, is multifold. You know, just from my, my dental world, if I see you chewing on an apple, I know that you're creating more saliva. The action of that is also building muscle appropriately. So when we think about babies and infants, there is a whole movement now to try to get away from that super soft baby food because your tongue is a muscle and your cheeks are muscles. So if you're chewing and creating, building up that muscle in your cheeks, your teeth may end up being straight because there's that area between the two muscles, the tongue and the cheeks, where your teeth should go. If you're not building those muscles because you're just eating soft stuff, then those outside muscles aren't as strong and they lose the fight between the tongue and the cheek muscles. Does an apple a day keep Dr. Shafarik away? (laughs) Well, you know, in dentistry, the problem becomes (laughs) plaque collects under the gum line. And, you know, it's self-promoting. But I also know it's super true that if you see the dentist regularly, you will keep your teeth for a lifetime. If you don't, there's a greater chance that you'll lose your teeth. And then it's real tough to eat that apple when you don't have teeth anymore. What's going on with your Serotimus Club, Bernice? So, I wrote that wrong. It's January 15th. I think I wrote June 15th here. The Live Your Dream Award. So that's the award that we give to a woman who is head of households, has a financial need, and is enrolled in an educational program. And that award is given by our local club, and then the woman who wins in our local club goes to the region level. Our local club, I think our awards start at 1200 and I think we've started giving a couple of awards because we've done more fundraising. Then they go into the region level where you can um, get $5,000, and then it goes to the federation level. So it just goes up, and that's a $10,000 award. Basically, that award can be used for anything, diapers, daycare, floss. 
anything you need to use it for. The other event we're having is the fundraising we do to raise the funds to be able to give people in the community these awards, and that's the Seroptimus Ball, which will be held on March 7th, 2020, at the Elks Club at 6 p.m., and we'll be dancing to the Shaded Soul Band. Live band? Yes. And same deal, you get tickets on the website? Yes. Right now, I, I think they will be available at Ray Jean's as, as we get closer. And do you have to be a Seroptimus member to go to this event? Of or is it open to the not. general public? Of course Anybody not. Anybody can go. Anybody can go and, and have gone. I mean, we've been, I think this is our 16th year. So we've kind of become a go-to event because we've been doing it for so long. And this year, I think we're going to change it up a little bit. We always have lots of hors d'oeuvres, but now I think it'll be almost more like a regular dinner that you can plan on. Is this a, like a formal thing, like tux, or is this like sharp casual? What's the usual dress code for it? So um, anything that you would wear basically to you know business is is fine. Je- we don't like jeans, but other than that, everything's fine. So some people come in a tux and, and a gown, and some people come in a cocktail dress, or some people come with you know, slacks and, and a nice shirt. We're waking up with Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental on Route 66 East in Columbia discussing inflammation and what she calls the inflammation connection. And sometimes the inflammation is not directly related to your teeth. Are there associated oral and systemic diseases related to this? There are. So one, for example, is cardiovascular disease or heart problems. So sometimes the association is somebody who has a damaged heart. For example, they've had a valve repair. They're more susceptible to some of the bacteria that we have in the mouth. So those are the people that... We have taken antibiotic because we know that's an infectious process. It's not inflammatory. What about people with stents? Nope. Nope. Stents are safe. Yeah. Good. Uh, Yeah. Well, so, you know, that, that is part of the whole discussion, sort of the underlying discussion today is about inflammation as opposed to infection. So it became a very big deal that... We used to kind of think of almost everything that had the signs and symptoms I talked about, like swelling, bleeding, uh, fever, pain, that, oh, you need an antibiotic. And then we realized that sometimes that's just our body's reaction. It's an inflammatory reaction and not an infectious reaction. So maybe we shouldn't be giving antibiotics as much. So when someone comes in to me and they have those kind of signs, and most often as an emergency, people will walk in and say, I have tooth pain. And so then I need to look at, okay, where is this coming from? So occasionally I do all my tests on how a tooth that has an infection should react, and it doesn't match any of those tests. So then I have to start looking at, is this a medical problem as opposed to an oral problem, which should not be different, but is it a different disease than something that I can impact? And that's become huge because we were overutilizing antibiotics. Another systemic disease that has a big relationship with the mouth is diabetes. So that's another one where 
as we talked about before, people are coming in regularly. I get to see them, and they look pretty healthy. And then they come in one day, and their gum tissues don't look healthy. And they don't have a stressful situation going on in their life. They tell me, no, I've been flossing the way I always floss. And we look in there, and it's like, really, you don't have as much plaque as I would expect. Why are your gum tissues so inflamed? And sometimes it's because either they are an undiagnosed diabetic or their diabetes is not well controlled. So that led us in our practice to start asking people about their monitors for diabetes. So there's a test, the HbA1c, that's done every three mm -hmm. months that can give you an idea of where you are. So I will ask people that. The answer is interesting because if people say, oh, I have no idea, then there's, okay, why do you not have any idea? Is it because you're not going to the doctor and having it tested? Is it because nobody's explaining to you why it's important? And it's super important. I mean, if you are an uncontrolled diabetic, there are a lot of consequences of that. So we can help be that connection and say to the patient, I see inflammation in your mouth that has nothing to do with that direct cause. I don't see a lot of plaque, which would mean a lot of bacteria in your mouth. So I need you to go see your physician to make sure that you can stay, stay healthy. Adverse pregnancy outcomes are an issue. So sometimes someone comes in and, again, you look in their mouth and they have more bleeding and swelling of the gum tissues than you expect, and it turns out they're pregnant because we have something called pregnancy gingivitis. So pregnancy changes how your body is acting. And we have these wonderful bodies that can adapt to so much, but we have to give them the tools that they need, the things we talked about, diet, rest, not having bad, bad habits. All of those things are related. Do those pregnancy issues go away after the pregnancy? You know, they can, but it's just like, for example, let's say that you have what they call gestational diabetes. So that means that there are some women who show tests that show that the same signs of diabetes while they're pregnant. Well, to me, that would indicate if I were that person, hmm, I better be careful about certain things. I better watch my diet, rest, exercise, and... I better test myself regularly for diabetes. High blood pressure is another one that can be emphasized during pregnancy, and then you have to make sure that you're giving your body the tools that it needs to, to heal itself. And as with some of the things you just talked about, I would bet the person driving down Main Street right now is not making a direct connection between respiratory diseases, pneumonia, COPD, and inflammation, but apparently it does work that way. It does work that way, and the places we see that most emphatically are people who are pretty severely ill with a pneumonia or COPD is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, so they can't breathe as well. And when you can't breathe that well and you end up in the hospital environment, if someone's not being careful about cleaning your teeth, 
there are things that we see that are called aspiration pneumonias, where you can basically breathe in some of that bad bacteria and give yourself a pneumonia. So that's a direct relationship there. Is it possible that if you have inflammation, I'm thinking gums here, that the worst case scenario is you could lose a tooth out of it or maybe teeth, plural? Yeah, and I don't think that's the worst case scenario. I think having heart disease or pulmonary disease or something that's related to not having a healthy mouth is a worse consequence, but you can definitely lose a tooth. And that's losing a tooth, I believe, uh, and this is just a belief because it's not necessarily supported by research, that your body wants to wall off infection. We know that. And so if things get bad enough, and it's so, when you look, guys look at a tooth as, as people in the community, you see that white part that's above the gum line. So that's what's called the crown of the tooth. That's usually about a third to a quarter of the tooth. Two-thirds or three-quarters is the root that's encased in the bone. Then there's a, a blood vessel and a nerve that run from your tooth to the rest of your body. So if you have inflammation and your Pac-Man cells are eating away at the bone to try to get away from the infection, if that process goes deep enough where you're close to the root of the tooth where the blood vessels could carry bacteria from your mouth into the rest of your body, you may end up just losing that tooth because there's partly because there's no bone left to hold it in place. But by doing that, if you don't have that tooth, then that particular blood vessel won't be able to connect to the rest of your body and bring the infection there. The problem is usually if it's one tooth, it's most of your teeth. And I don't see that as much anymore. Every once in a while I do, where someone will call me and say, I had a tooth fallout. Most often when somebody says that in a dental office, it's a crown that came off. But sometimes it's an actual tooth. And what that means is that person has had this acute inflammatory reaction, and there's no bone left, and their tooth basically came right out. So that's not usually an isolated incident. And it's also really hard to repair at that point. If somebody says to me, well, you have to replace that tooth. Well, one of the ways I have of doing that are implants. If there's no bone there, I can't even place an implant. So I do have a memory of about 25 years ago, I had a woman come in who um, really was in the position of losing all of her teeth. It had gone that far. And so we ended up having to take her remaining teeth out and she ended up with the denture, which doesn't chew the apple as well, but it's just a way to get some teeth back in there. And she did come back to me and she said, you know, I feel so much better. And I think what she was telling me was, I had systemic inflammation. My whole body was reacting to what was going on in my mouth. Now that that source of the problem is gone, my body can heal itself. Is there a way to rid oneself of oral inflammation? Yes, there is. And so if we know that oral gingival inflammation comes from that plaque buildup, so plaque is the soft, sti sticky stuff 
that you need to be trying to get off with your floss and your other tools, your toothbrush, if you are one of those people who either naturally develops tartar quickly or you just leave it there for too long and it develops into tartar, that's mineralized plaque. So that just sticks to your teeth and you can't get it off yourself. So I, um, as I've mentioned before, I do military exams every once in a while. And I was down at, in Niantic and I saw about 60 soldiers. Most of them are like, they're from 19 to maybe 45 bulk of them in their 20s and 30s. There was a whole lot of gingival inflammation there. And some of them, I would say, when did you last have your teeth professionally cleaned? And they would say, oh, I don't remember. So then my next question is, because it's not on your radar or it's been so long? And sometimes the answer is, well, it's been so long. It's been like five years. And I'll say, well, why didn't you go? Well, I didn't really think I had to. So I'm here to tell you, you really have to, because a lot of those people, I didn't really need to look in their mouths because things smelled. And that's part of the reaction. And then as soon as they opened their mouths, I was struck by bleeding, swollen gums that had a lot of debris there. So it, it, it's feels like beating a dead horse, but it's just one of the easiest ways to stack the deck in favor of good health. If you take care of your mouth, it will really help the rest of your body to be healthy. The Inflammation Connection, our topic this morning with Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental in Columbia, program furnished by Shafarik Dental as they are out there in Columbia and on the web at shafarikdental.com and on Facebook at Shafarik Dental. Bernice, thanks for coming in this morning. Happy New Year. Thank you, Wayne. Same to you. 14 WILI, Willimantic and 95.3 FM.